Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob with episode number 269 of Shut Up and Grind. We are closing in on that 300th episode. Should be hitting that in probably July. So we are all about um, overcoming obstacles, about defying the odds, and helping you clear whatever is blocking your path to what it is you want to accomplish in this lifetime. So if you are joining me on my Facebook pages, please like and share. If you're joining me over on LinkedIn, same thing, please like and share. And if you're brand new to the show, we're all about sharing our guest's backstory. Because it's easy for people to share the wins. We want to share the messy parts because everybody out there goes through something at some point in their life. So the purpose of this show is to showcase what guests have gone through to go on and have the success that they're having. And also before I bring my guest on, remember we have the grind gear, right? The grind gear never gets easier. You get stronger. I have different colors. I have different styles. So you can check out the grind gear. I will post a link in the description section and let's get going. So today we're going to talk about celebrating cultural similarities through dance. I don't know what any of that means, but fortunately my guest does. So help me welcome Armine Keshishian. They get it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Hello. Hi, right. welcome. How's it going? Thank you. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. So where are you joining me from? I'm in Vegas. You're in Vegas? <laughs> yes. Okay, you're in I... Vegas. How, how come I thought you were like in Australia or something? No, I was in Canada, actually. Toronto. Canada. Okay. I, I moved here last year. <laughs> Ah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Vegas. <laughs> it's the entertainment capital of the world, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been I've been there a couple of times, but like I'm not really into the whole nightlife thing. I, I like hiking. I like hiking mm -hmm. through there, Red Rock Canyon, you know, um going to to the Grand Canyon. It's like uh I'm not big into like all the, the shows in the casinos and all that. Yes, well I'm not into casinos and gambling, but I love shows and uh Vegas, it's very different than if you live here. If you're visiting, it's very different than if you live here. Yes. Um, there are local areas where people hang out. There's local shows, local bars, local businesses. And a lot of businesses are happening, actually, in Vegas. It's one of the most wanted places for conferences. So we get a lot of conferences, people coming from all over the U.S., all over the world, actually. So wow. it's interesting. You meet a lot of people. Yeah. Awesome. So what, what do you do for work? I create and produce dance theater shows. That's okay. why I'm in Vegas. Yes. That's why you're in Vegas. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd you get into that? Well, it's a very long story. Do you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> Whatever version you want to give me. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you from the beginning, because I think part of your show is about overcoming obstacles as well. Yes. I went to Canada as a teenager with my younger sister. Just both of us, we couldn't speak English, didn't know anyone, didn't have any family or friends. Um, I, I really wanted to go to an English-speaking country so that um, I could go to school and finish university. So I did that. That was very hard. That was, I can't remember, it was too long ago. It was just very hard not knowing anyone, not being able to speak the language, not knowing the culture. And I stumbled into financial consulting and wealth management. And I did that for years and years. And sometime along the way, I started taking classes, dance classes, and became very creative. 
and I started writing stories. Now, I have Armenian heritage uh, and I'm Christian born in a Muslim country. And there were some differences. And uh, for example, I was not allowed to have Muslim friends. My father, on the other hand, had Muslim friends. And I'm thinking, what's the difference? Why? That didn't work for me. I was very upset about that. And then in Canada, it's considered one of the most multicultural cities, like Toronto. That's where I'm from, uh, multicultural cities in the world. And so I learned what is allowed, what is not allowed from a young age, what culture presents, uh, how different cultures connect to each other. And so what happened uh, when I started taking classes, Middle Eastern dance um, has a variety of dance forms, could be um, very cultural, could be folkloric, could be belly dancing. And so I loved belly dancing, and but I was a financial consultant, had, had a very uh, successful practice. And so anyway, I started taking classes and I thought I knew how to dance, but uh, we were moving muscles. I didn't know they existed. <laughs> and, what happened, <laughs> and so what happened was um, after a while, um, my teachers and everyone said that I need to perform in public and I, that is a taboo. If you notice, a lot of belly dances are non-Middle Eastern. Mm. And the Middle Eastern dancers who make it very big, they go through a lot of challenges and they, they have the passion and they make it. So eventually, and our, um, our teachers, my teachers, they had, they just opened the dance theater. And so eventually I decided to, to perform in public. It was a very, very diff difficult decision. Emotionally it was draining. I wasn't feeling well. Even when I was taking classes, my father didn't even want to know I was taking belly dance classes, let alone perform in public. But mm -hmm. I'm glad I did because uh, after a couple of years, I, I was very creative. I wrote stories. I started my first production in 2006 and then while having the practice and um, the productions got bigger and bigger and now we're here. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> so, so what were so, some of the biggest challenges? In dancing? Yeah, and you making making the decision to get started. Well, because um, if you're from a good family, you won't even consider. So there is a stigma attached to it. So what I was doing for the longest time, I was hiding behind financial consulting. And because money was never my motive, I was getting paid for dancing, but it was never enough. I spent much more on my costumes than what I was making over time. <laughs> um, so the stigma attached was not a good one. And uh, But I enjoyed because where I was dancing, it wasn't between the tables, nothing wrong with it, but that was not my thing. I was more into dance theater. And I remember um, there were uh, stages, that the places where I was dancing with a live band. Every time I danced, some other bands were asking me to dance with them. So we would do weddings and anniversaries. I remember the second time I performed in public, my uh, agent teacher, so-called, took me to a wedding uh, that there were 500 people. Wow. Uh, there were it's a, like the, the groom was uh, Lebanese and the, the bride was Filipino. And it was very interesting. I was just elated. I loved it. And so the decision was no culture or no society can dictate what I can or cannot do. And that was the breaking point. I thought, I'm doing it. But I tell you, Robert, sometimes even during the dance, I'm thinking, is this the right thing to do? I might, maybe I shouldn't be dancing. And I would have that thoughts for a split second. 
and I knew my face would change, my expression would change. So I went back, back in, back in, you know, get back to your body, get back to your, you know, show. And uh, the connection that I had with people, the energy that I gave and received was phenomenal. I just loved it. So that's that's how it was. So did your father ever give you his approval? Never. No. No. Never. But he did come to our shows. He did. And as a matter of fact, I'm not sure if it's relevant. I never shared this with anyone, as a matter of fact, but I will. Um, my father passed away a few years ago. And one time I was meditating um, about something else. And for some reason, my father's presence came and I felt what he was feeling. He had this, this, this anger, this burning anger in his belly. And I totally felt that. But, you know, he never expressed that anger to me. He only said, uh, you know, why don't you just focus on financial consulting? Because actually there's much more money in financial consulting and wealth management than being a dancer. So, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I had this, this force. I, I felt compelled. <laughs> so I did, and I'm glad because the productions happened because I did solo, because I did start. So I always say, take that first step. If you have that burning desire, go for it. You never know what universe will give you. And I'm glad that I did. But it wasn't um, easy emotionally, actually very challenging emotionally. See, I'm glad you said that too, because I must say at least once per show, for people who are just on the fence to just get started. Like it doesn't have to be pretty. You don't need everything that you think you need. You just got to start. Like I, I help people create podcasts. And I'm like, just get, just get a phone and start recording. Like, don't worry about the microphone. Don't worry about the lights. Don't worry about the green screen or any of that other stuff. Just use your phone and just start recording. And then you're going to be surprised that people will start to follow your stuff. And yes. then, you know, once you start, you know, once you start getting a firm direction, then you can get, you know, you can get the microphone and then you can get the lights, you can get the green screen and, and everything else. But like people always hold back. Well, I need this first or I need that first. You know, so how did how did you build up the courage to take that first step, especially knowing that your father probably wasn't going to approve? Well, my mother wasn't approving either, but my father was much more profound in his opinion. Um, how I did was I took classes for a few years. In the meantime, I also took um, jazz classes and modern dance classes. And when I was younger, and I will come to your, um, I will answer your question in a minute. And when I was younger, I used to be in recitals um, in school, like primary school. I would dance and I would act. And But as an adult, it wasn't something I was entertaining. And so... When I started taking classes, because we had recitals for belly dancing and for the Middle Eastern dancing, and it was very exciting, I was still having a hard time. And after a while, I danced somewhere else, and this band, they asked me, they saw me the first time, they said, you're good, do you want to dance with us? I said, sure. So we used to have gigs all the time, and it was exciting. It was extremely exciting. All I had to do is show up and dance. But it would take me the whole day because I would exercise at least an hour to two hours every day. You can't just go and dance with a full stomach. You can't go hungry. Then you have your glamour makeup, and then you do your show. I was the show for half an hour, 
and then I would have another show sometimes, but then you're done. Then what do you do? Like you're high at 12 o'clock, one o'clock <laughs> in the morning, then you have to go to bed. Well, no. And so <clears throat> what I did was, <clears throat> excuse me. What I did was, you see, I'm not comfortable still. That's what it is. <laughs> um, what happened was um, I, I thought I'm going to do it because we had um, a visitor, one of our four family friends came over to Canada from US and I showed her the costumes that I had and I was making, I was having a new costume made. It was all iridescent white. It was just beautiful with pearls and diamonds. Well, not real ones, of course. <laughs> and um, I said, that's what I'm doing for my recital. And <clears throat> And we talked a little bit and she says, Armine, you dance really beautifully. Why don't you? I said, well, you know, I can't. And she's Armenia. She was, she passed away. She says, Armine is going to be a waste. That resonated with me. So all this effort and waste, maybe something needs wow. to come out of it. And so I entertained the thought. I talked to some friends, of course, not to my family. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I decided I was going to do it. Because, again, no culture or society can dictate what I can or cannot do. Because I didn't want to give away my power to society, to outdated modalities, to outdated archetypal, archetypal, archetypal traditions that doesn't serve. Yes. And it was more of a decision that am I comfortable with it? So back to your question you got to feel comfortable. It's not that you're doing it right or wrong. Can you do it? Do you want to do it? How badly do you want to do it? My desire was to do it so that I have done it. It wasn't yep. to make money. It wasn't to be perfect. It wasn't to show off. It was none of that. It's just, I need to do this for me because empowerment comes from within. It doesn't yes. come from outside. Yes. So I... And I always say, um, know thyself, right? And it's the mastery. Self-mastery is not easy. And I'm still on the journey of self-mastery. And once you can master your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your thought processes, and just do what your passion leads you to, it's going to work. Because as they say, you take a step towards God's and God's will take 10 steps towards you. Oh, so that's it. how it started. Love it. See, and and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that about you know the person that said that you were gonna just be a waste, you know, because so many times we let other people kill off our our dreams. You know, think back to when I was getting started into fitness. So I was leaving the restaurant industry. Now, like I had five. They were small kids then. You know, much bigger now, but there were five small kids. And I remember. Like my family members saying, you know, you're toying around with this with this hobby and, you know, you need to get back and manage restaurants. You got to think about, about your kids. And and I was like, but I don't I don't want to manage restaurants anymore. It's like I'm tired of working nights. I'm tired of working weekends. I'm tired of working holidays, getting called in on my days off. People calling out sick. Like I just went right down the laundry list. It's like I'm going to I'm going to end up burning myself out and stressing myself out doing something that I don't want to do. You know, it's like, yeah, fit, fitness isn't bringing in the money that the restaurant was at that time. It was like, but if I focus on it, 
it can grow. <laughs> you know, exactly. to, your, to your point, when you're passionate about something, and once you start walking in that direction, all the doors open. It's like all the doors are already there. You know, yes. like like for anyone listening to this that wants to start something, all the doors are already there. You're just not seeing them because you haven't started yet. You know, it's exactly. like once once you start on the journey, then you start no noticing. Oh, there's this opportunity. Oh, I know this person that knows this person. And all of a sudden, all these doors are flying open and it doesn't happen by chance. You know, you see what, what you focus on. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. yes. Love it. And, and, and if money is the only issue, I mean, sometimes we want to go to a business where there is financial security. But if money is your only focus and your hobby doesn't allow it, then you got to make a decision of how to balance that out. Yes. Because I remember my parents were telling me that if you focus on financial consulting more, well, of course, you're going to have more money. But what you're doing, uh, I had a very successful practice, thank God. But what I was doing, I was able to manage. I'm very good in time management. I was able to manage a very successful practice and yet produce shows. And mm -hmm. so... Sometimes I would fund the shows because I was fortunate enough to bring it from my practice. I would fund here. And if, but you see, the thing is, we cannot, as human beings, as far as I know, if we're in a survival mode, we cannot just blindly follow our passion because we have to be comfortable to some level. Yes. At least be able to have a proper uh, shelter and food so that we don't think about survival. Then we can focus on creativity and the mind expands at that time. But if you're constantly thinking, where am I going to get my next meal? It's going to close the doors. You won't be able to feel as creative. And so that is also important. But let's say that you have some funds or you can live with someone or arrange something and then follow your passion. Every individual is different, but uh, it's not going to be easy if you're in survival mode just to go ahead, unless your passion also brings in a lot of money as well. Mm. So. <laughs> See, and, you know, the big, the big misconception is that, you know, I'm not trying to say being an entrepreneur is easy. It's not easy by any means, but, you have the power to set your worth. It's like, exactly. that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Like if I, if I take some, someone and I help them create a speech and I help them become a better speaker, like, and I charge them $5,000 and some people be like, Oh my God, that's so crazy. I'm like, how, like, did you go to college? Yeah. How much did you spend for college? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, know, exactly. you know, right. You spent anywhere from 150 to two, $200,000 on college. Yeah. And you're coming to me for communications help. You know, I, I don't think $5,000 to, to change the way you speak for the rest of your life is outrageous. And there you only need two clients per month to have a six-figure business. That's right. You know, it's like two, you know? <laughs> and, and so when, now I know not being an entrepreneur, I mean, being an entrepreneur isn't for, for everyone. But like I said, you get to set your worth versus going to a job and they decide what your worth is, you know? So I think that's the number one thing people people have to understand. Like when you go to that job and you punch in, they're telling you how much they're paying you. Yes. And then you get incremental raises, you know, each year. But here I'd be like, you know what? For what I do, I can charge this amount. It depends how you think of yourself, right? Yep. 
So um, someone can say, um, let's say $50,000 a year, it's a good income to start. However, if you ask somebody else, could say, what 50,000? I can't start less than 250,000 a year. It depends how you think of yourself. Um, I know some speakers who graduated and their first job was at least 250, $300,000 a year. And that's because they wouldn't, they wouldn't take anything less. Yes. And some people, they're happy just to get a job for $30,000 after they graduate. It, it depends how you think of yourself and what you think is possible. I mean, the mindset, it's, it's crucial. You know, if we have a growth mindset or if we have a fixed mindset and what we are accustomed to. Like how were we raised and what our families made? And we said, well, yeah, nobody in my, let's say somebody says nobody in my family graduated or nobody in my family made over a hundred thousand or a million dollars or whatever the case may be. But then you say, okay, that's what they did. How about me? I'm a different person. Like me, for example, for the dancing, nobody ever, uh, there is no one in my family who pursued anything artistic. Absolutely none. They're all academics. <laughs> so then you say, well, I'm not them. I'm me. And my heart is yearning for that. My soul is yearning for that. And that's yes. where I was. <laughs> see, and you can see it on your face, too. Just the, the way you're talking about it. You can tell that you're very passionate about that. But um, yeah. but you hit the nail on the head again. Like you have to just you have to just go for it. You know, like other people like you can't let other people dictate your path. You know, mm -hmm. like you just you, you just can't like regardless of what it is you want to do. If, if it doesn't align with somebody else's values, that's their problem. But it's hard. It is their problem. But when your family is against it, it's not easy. So yeah. one way to tackle that is to have a good support, a good yes. support system uh, that they don't just blindly agree with what you're saying, but you have you're able to discuss the matter in detail in terms of the society, in my case, or, or the culture or or your emotions and go through all the positives and negatives and say, OK, what is the worst case scenario here? What's going to happen and what's the best case scenario? And um, so worst case scenario, for example, for me would have been if people disrespect me and that's not, mm. not but that is not how it worked because as a matter of fact, I, I hired a lot of uh, Middle Eastern media. I paid them for the papers, for coverage or advertising, and they were all very nice people. And they, they actually, what's the word, they felt... Um, inspired that's the key word mm. yes they were inspired that i was able to take the step nice. and because as i mentioned i was in wealth management i didn't feel i didn't feel like negatively about it so i thought yeah i'm a wealth manager i'm a financial consultant and this is what i love to do and i'm doing it so when you come from that place of that's what i'm doing and i love it without guilt or without uh, feeling, oh, how are people going to think, feel about this, then who cares what they're going to think afterwards? I don't care, like whatever. I mean, I was fortunate that they were very inspired, but if they didn't agree, well, too bad. They're not living my life. Exactly. They're not in my body, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Like you, you hear that stuff in the fitness world too. Like I had one of my clients, she, 
at the time, I believe she was 52, I want to say. And a friend of hers, right, a friend of hers told her, you know, you're never going to be, be skinny. You're over 50. You should just stop trying. Oh. Right. And I said to her, I said, this friend of yours, I said, is she out of shape? And she's like, yep. I said, that's not the one you want to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you want to listen to someone who's over 50, who's in shape. <laughs> and you want to pick their brain on what they do to keep themselves healthy. And that's like with, with any with any facet of business. Like, like, again, when I first was getting into fitness, I took a job at a local YMCA just because I wanted to see how a gym ran. It's like I knew I wanted to do my own thing. But coming off of the restaurant industry, I mean, like I was an athlete my entire life. But running a gym is completely different. And the director says to me, you don't want, want to be a personal trainer. There's no money in it. You know, it's like, it's like, why would you, why would you completely crush my dream like that? It's like, I do believe in full transparency, but I also know there's some gym owners out there that are crushing it. Yes. So needless to say, I didn't start that job that day. And <laughs> I went, I went and I found people who were super successful with, with their gyms. And it's yes. like, all right, how did you do that? Like, what are you doing? How are you getting leads? Are you doing ads? And just wanted to ask all these questions. Like, I don't want to talk to the person who hates his career choice and he's going to try to project his negativity onto me. Exactly. You know, and too many times we, like, we as humans, we just give in and let those people have that power over us. But I was like, no, like, I'm going to make this work. Like, I'm a college dropout. I don't have a business background and I know nothing about marketing but I know how to get people in shape. <laughs> I said, so we're going to start there and we'll, we'll get them telling their friends and coworkers and whatever that we got this business. And then I stumbled upon a couple business partners and we were able to take it, to take it bigger. You know, so that relationship soured, but at least, you know, we got to take it to multiple six figure heights, yes. you know, after starting in my garage. You know, and just dealing with the people telling me, you, you, like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be focused on your kids. This was in 2009 when we hit that uh, recession. So it's like we're in a recession and you're trying to start start a business. You're crazy. You're being reckless until we had the rib, the ribbon cutting, opening up my 5,000 square foot facility. You know? So it's like, wow. it's like they always doubt you until you get it done. That's right. That's right. And the thing is, I always say, be with people who celebrate you, not tolerate you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, to be celebrated instead of tolerated. Um, everybody has their own path to live. And sometimes people don't agree with your path, but it's none of their business. It's not their path. And they're not in any shape or form to give advice if they don't know. But starting a business, any business, um, we learn as we go. And yeah. so... I have taken a lot of different courses and classes in acting and theater and directing and movie making and script writing and all of this. I didn't know all of that. And also, once you do whatever it is you do, you gain experience. Yes. So there is no way I could have learned the experience in a college or university how to produce shows. I remember one person was asking me, how do you produce a show? I was telling him how. And he says, look, if I just have $2 million, I could just do it. Uh, and I have access to money. But how? Do and I'm explaining to him, his mind is wandering off. He's not even listening. So I stopped talking. I said, well, this guy's not actually serious. 
because first of all, you wouldn't start a production with $2 million unless you're already in the show business and you have, you're surrounded by people who can sponsor you, but you start small. Maybe you start with a few people. Um, so we learn as we grow and uh, not having a university degree, college degree or marketing background. It's, it's irrelevant. We learn as we go around. I know a lot of multimillionaires and billionaires, as a matter of fact, who don't, who are a college dropout or even they don't even have grade 12, but they're exquisite, excellent in business. And that's because they keep learning and they keep learning. Yes. We've got to learn every day. Otherwise, our mind is going to go. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true, right? How, how it all comes full, full circle, right? Because I took a lot of a lot of workshops and joined masterminds about marketing and branding and how it all came full circle is I helped someone with a master's in marketing, yeah. create, create a marketing plan for a client she was working with. Because <laughs> you know? yeah. like one of the things is when you're, when you're in school for that, they teach you how to market to corporations. You know, it's like they don't teach you personal branding and how to market yourself. So like, like she could, she could go to, you know, a multi-million dollar company and draw up this great plan for them, but she didn't know how to sell herself. That's and right. So that's what, that's what I learned. So I, I knew the gym part, that's, that's easy. It's like, we, we can do that part. And then I just went and learned what I had to learn, you know, to sell myself, to sell, sell my services. And then once you realize because you know, like people hear the word sales and they think it's like some kind of sleazy full letter word, but it's like you're really you're just matching a problem to a solution, you know. So it's like, all right, you want to lose 20 pounds, this is what I have. You want to become a faster runner, this is what I have. You want to put on muscle, this is what I have. You know, you want help create creating a story or a keynote presentation, this is what I have. Like it's not it's not really selling, you know. It's like yeah. this is what this is what I do. And this is how I can help you. Then if it works for you price wise, great. If if not, then I mean it is what it is what it is. But like once once you get comfortable with that, the, the rest is pretty easy. Yes. And I think that um passion is very crucial. Yes. If you're passionate and you walk the talk. Yes. You know, whatever business is, you got to walk the talk. You got to be the culture of that company as the head of the company, the leader of the company. If it's a smaller uh, business, smaller to medium sized business, uh, the large corporations, they also have their own culture as well. Um, but to be the walking, talking, breathing inspiration of the company, you would be the pillar of light that would attract all the people around you. It was the same thing. When I started our first production, I hired some professionals, some semi-professionals, and people couldn't get enough of my passion. And as soon as I spoke, I said, this is what I'm doing. Everybody was in. They didn't even ask how much they're getting paid. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. It was always like that because yeah. they wanted to be part of something. And we have always talked about cultural fusion. I'm very big on that. So through our dances, we, we fuse uh, dance forms and different dance genres and to make the culture fusion. So our company uh, tagline really is we always have a choice, just evolution dance theater in the bottom says we always have a choice. But the other part is uh, we bring people and cultures together. And this is our distinguishing factor. And uh, because of that, there's such authenticity and inspiration that comes 
from the core members of the company that people are very interested. They're excited. This is the ongoing debate, which I've been doing actually through Artform for the last 15 years. Uh, it's uh, diversity and inclusion, women's empowerment and multiculturalism. Because I believe, we believe as Evolution Dance Theater, we are one human race. We've been saying this all along. We are one human race. Why fight? Why, even if you don't have the same values or the same um, belief systems, it's okay. We're different people. Red is not blue, it's not green, it's not yellow. Every color has its own beauty. Every flower has its own beauty. So we embrace our similarities and celebrate our differences. And that's what we stand for. Love it. And that's just the way it should be. You know, just, just like you were saying, like, why why fight and fight over foolish stuff? It's like, you know, I always use use the word vacation as an example. Like, if you can say the word vacation, you ask 100 people what their ideal vacation is, you're probably going to get 100 different answers. And that doesn't mean anyone is wrong. Like, I like the mountains. Some people like the beach. Some people like a cruise. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's it's no different than that. It's you know, if you have a different religion, cool. You know, being different, different sex, cool. Different whatever, cool. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like just do do what makes you happy. And as long as you're happy, like we can we can talk, we can have fun fun together. If something's super controversial, then we won't talk about that. It's like you know, like we just don't have to have to constantly show our displeasure or our disagreement with other people. Right. You know, why we can't just let things go. So I, I like that you're doing that with bringing everyone together. Yes, uh, because um, we are really trying, um, our, well, not trying, we're doing it actually, uh, to bring social change. And uh, to bring social change through art. So it's different cultures, different belief systems, different aspirations but it comes together in a story and so our next show just to give you an example follow your heart um actually we did follow your heart in canada and we got a letter of recognition and congratulations oh, nice. from our prime minister uh justin awesome. trudeau the highest accomplishment and so um that was follow your heart and this is expanded version for the vegas show which is follow your heart in the ancient persian empire now, the ancient Persian Empire ruled for 2,500 years, and um, they ruled the entire current Middle East, mm. Upper Africa, and Egypt. And the kings at that time said, you can keep your religion, you can keep your culture as long as you pay your taxes. So if 2,500 years ago people lived side by side with tolerance and acceptance, why can't we do now? So the show... All those are actually subliminal. The, the main show is a love story of taboo and tradition. A modern Middle Eastern woman, Almaza, is in, uh, you know, is in love with a very traditional man, Jivan. And that's where the conflict is. But it's shown, the whole story is shown with beautiful costuming, with haunting music, a different dance genres, different music, a live music. Um, and a bit of storytelling with the, the dialogue. It's not like your Broadway way show where um, the lyrics are through singing and the story moves through singing because you can't really put 
English lyrics to Arabic music or Persian music mm -hmm. or Arabic. it's not it's gonna lose. So it's done. It's shown through choreography, and the music is such that you will know exactly what is happening. But there is some dialogue between the actors, and so we have over fifty or fifty-two um, people. Wow. The cast is over fifty. Well, I, I can't say right now if it's fifty or fifty-two, but it's at least fifty, and um, and. So the main story is a love story, but the underneath it all that it comes through very clearly, it's about embracing each other culturally and each other, period, because we are one human race. So I love to create shows and, and beauty through art where I can make an impact. So collectively we make an impact. So somebody could sit in that theater and say, this is a beautiful show. I'm not sure if I'm, you know, agreeing with everything, but that's okay. A few people see that there's that ripple effect and we're not hammering at people's head and say, you got to believe this. You got to do, no, you have a choice to do whatever. Yeah. But I love to show you if world was this way, would you consider it? Well, it's not that way, but the mind always mm -hmm. will go. Would I consider doing this? It, it has some subliminal, <laughs> subliminal messages that it makes you ponder as an audience. So, yes. and, and we know this because from previous shows, we had a lot of good testimonials or audience feedback, I like to say. Uh, at the end of the show, we always have reception. We ask what they think. And it's amazing what they tell us. And every single person has a different perspective of what happened in the show. That's... That's, that's, I think it's perfect for us. So that's great. So are you still doing financial planning? No, I actually retired uh, just before COVID. It so happened 2019. Okay. I retired from financial consulting. Um, and then what happened was 2020 was COVID. I'm thinking, what am mm -hmm. I going to do? So I wrote my book, Joyous Wealth, 56 okay. Secrets to Riches and Wellness, which talks about how to get everything you want. Um, financially, emotionally, um, it's it's written like a novel. It's a creative nonfiction where five women from different walks of life, we get together and meet the narrator. We get together and we talk about mindset, legacy, financial planning, uh, wellness, um, and as each it's like a mosaic. Each chapter has its own. It's, it's good on its own, but as you read from the beginning, you could see the characters revealing more and more about themselves. And uh, it's, it, I was awarded for it, plus it was Amazon bestseller, so I'm quite happy about that. Nice. Yeah. That's great. So so what's next for you? Well, we are still, we haven't done the show yet. We are doing it in fall in Vegas. So that is, we see how it goes, and we're hoping to get residency. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Nice. Where, so, where's that performance going to be? It's going to be on the strip, and the announcements will be coming exactly which hotel and which okay. uh, what the dates are. It's becoming very soon. Awesome. Yeah. And where can people find you? Evolution Dance Theater. It's uh, theater is T H E A T R E, and our logo is the the I with the Arabic looking alphabet, but it's English. Evolution Dance Theater dot com. All the um, information is there. We are um, we are also looking for members to, and it tells you how to become a member. 
And um, if you'd like to become a sponsor, that's okay too. And you can see our previous shows, a glimpse of previous shows. Um, you can read about our uh, mandate and how we want to create this social change. That's, that's, I think that's a big one to create social change. I'm very excited about that, about um, bringing everyone together because we are one human race. Love it. I was going to ask you to give us some final words, but I think that's, I think you nailed it with, with that last sentence right there. So <laughs> this has been fun. So thank you very much for taking the time and uh, sharing your story. And um, it has been fun for me. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I totally loved our discussion and this is fantastic. And it's great what you're doing. It actually works with us because you got to be fit. One other thing is that for us to be driven and be passionate, we have to have a fit body. Otherwise, we're always thinking, oh, I'm not feeling well or whatever. And to be mm -hmm. fit physically, emotionally, financially, and mentally, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, don't, si don't sign off. I want to talk to you after we, we stop the uh, production. But uh, wave bye to the peeps that are going to be watching at home. And I'll see you in a minute. All right, that was Armine. So if you if you're joining us late, make sure you go back and watch the entire thing. She dropped a lot of great information in this episode, and I'm going to be back again tomorrow. I know we usually don't go on Wednesdays, but I'm back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Then we have our first All Star panel since October. This Saturday at noon will be myself and six of my former guests. We're going to come back and talk about how to get back up and life knocks you down. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.